Hello and welcome to the Life After Blindness podcast. I am your host, Tim Schwartz, and I'd like to thank you so very much for joining me here on the podcast. This week, boy, we've got a lot that we want to talk about, some big time things going on in the blindness community, as well as maybe a rant or two and a discussion around kind of some of the traits that uh, might be a little bit important to somebody who is either losing vision or has uh, already you know, been blind maybe since birth or just just going through the whole process and just things that might be helpful to be aware of when, when you're trying to deal and trying to cope. But before we get all t- into all of that, I would love to introduce you to my wonderful guests that are joining me this week. One has uh, has been here before. The other is a new voice and I'm happy to introduce you to. So I will uh, bring them in here and let them tell you a little bit about themselves, starting off with Ryan Palm. Ryan, hello and welcome to Life Ever Blindness. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Um, as you said, my name is Ryan. Um, just kind of a little quick bit about me is I am a semi-professional drummer. Um, I am a husband and father of two. Um, and I also uh, run some different groups for different blindness-related things, whether it's uh, due to people that are new to being blind and, um, you know, just kind of different stuff around the uh, Seattle area out here in lovely, rainy Washington. <laughs> lovely, rainy Washington. Although you guys get so much better weather than, than we do on the whole here in the Midwest, I think. So I don't, I don't know if the rain is too bad, right? No, it's not. It's there are times where you walk outside and you're like, oh, it's raining. It's really not that bad. It, but it it's like so 65 worse. and raining all the time. <laughs> yeah, except for right now, we're supposed to be in like the 30s and 20s next week. Ew, for you, that's that's not good. That that's No, it's not good. It's cold. Yikes. Yeah, I, yes, I know. I'm aware. I'm in the Midwest. I know. Um, but yeah, no, I'm very glad to have you on the show, Ryan, and many, many more times, hopefully going forward because yeah, you, you will definitely bring, I think a different and, and interesting perspective, especially with like you were talking about with all these groups that you facilitate. Cause you and I are always talking, you know, you call me up and be like, all right, so this is what we're talking about this week. And here's some ideas I had. And we just kind of you know run things back and forth. And it's just like, you know, you really are getting at the ground level that, whole, you know, I'm losing my vision. Holy crap. What do I do? Or yeah, I've had no vision for a long time, but God, I'm still dealing with this issue or that, you know, thing or whatever. And so you're really getting a lot of that, uh, you know, every single week, right? Yeah. And it kind of gives you stuff to think about in your own life because I'll get questions and I'm like, well, crap, how do I do this? I just do it and don't really think about certain things. You know, people will be, you know, just, how do you mark your stove? How do you, you know, know when uh, this type of food is done or what this can is, you know, just different things. And it's stuff that I think. How do I not curl up in a ball in the corner and just cry (laughs) myself to sleep? Yeah. And after a while as a blind person, it's, it's your reality. So you stop thinking about it and you just do it. But for someone that's brand new and like you said, going through that, you know, stage of how do I not just curl up in a ball and, and, and be done with this thing? You, you have to stop and go, hmm, okay, how do I do this? Not only how do I do it, but how do I explain it? 
Exactly. That's no. the fun yeah. part. Trying to explain things is, is really interesting for me because there are times I'm like, can I just show? Oh, wait. Um, <laughs> hold on. Can't you see this? Yeah, no. <laughs> No, it, it can definitely be a challenge, and that's definitely something that I want to explore more, and we'll actually talk a little bit about that later in this week's episode. But yeah, it's one of the many, many reasons I wanted to have you on uh, guest hosting with me, or co-hosting, I should say, with me, um, because yeah, you definitely will, will be able to bring that perspective to, to really what's going on you know, every day with people. So again, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us here, and uh, I think we should bring in our other guest here, the other co-host, our returning champion. Charles Heiser. Charles, welcome back to the show. Hello, hello. It's good to be here. Uh, as you said, my name is Charles. I have been on the podcast before, and since then, I have evolved and grown and changed. I am I am now a an accessibility tester, a disability educator and advocate, and a content creator for one of the industry-leading accessibility solutions company that is in the United States working on websites, documents, and applications to make sure that everybody can use them regardless of ability or technology. Wow, I'm glad that I did let you go through all that because I don't think I would have been able to get all that memorized to say it. So well done, well said. But yeah, exactly. And I, if you had said the name of the company just outright, I was going to say how much did they pay you to to give such a great plug, but you didn't name them. So maybe they didn't pay you. I don't know. I don't get paid for plugs. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Uh, definitely. But no, I, I, you definitely have um, have. have transitioned and uh grown from where you were as just a like a freelance editor and you know always an advocate and always testing you know in your own way but to be able to to say hey i'm doing this officially you know they actually you know will, will pay me once in a while to to do some things you know i actually can, can say i'm doing this for for work and making a difference it's kind of like you know, what, what we were talking about with Ryan with, you know, making a difference with people in, in those support groups and those online meetings and things and, you know, getting in that ground floor and just be like, you know what, I'm doing something and I'm making a difference and I'm, I'm helping, you know, and so you, you definitely are in a place now, I think, where technology wise, you, you are feeling that, aren't you? I definitely am. The last time I was with you, I described myself as a student of accessibility and I absolutely, oh, yeah, right. I absolutely still embody those values. But now I get to apply them in such a way that impacts thousands of people on a daily basis. And it is it is an honor and a privilege to have the position that I do now. Awesome. I love it. That's that's so cool. So, yeah, um, definitely a different uh, point of view and a good voice to have. So, again, thank you, Charles, for coming back and uh, and joining me once again and, and as well, hopefully many, many, many more times going forward regularly here on the show. Absolutely. That's the plan. And I'm looking forward to seeing where we go and uh, what kind of crazy conversations we have uh, today and in the future. So let's get started with what we have planned for today's episode. Absolutely. Let's get started because we've got a couple of things that have been floating around in kind of our, our blindness community news and people probably have heard a little bit about them, but we haven't gotten a chance to speak on them. So if, if, if this is old news to anybody listening, 
just fast forward. Don't leave. Don't don't click off. Don't go away. Just fast forward. There, there'll be other things coming, I promise. Um, but I think that these are still very important to discuss, and, and we won't spend too much time on them. And Ryan, I'm going to go to you first because I know both of you have this service, but Ryan, you you have a very specific version of the service in your family because of your wife, Nikki, as a teacher who's actually also uh, totally blind. She uses the service Ira. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, if you're not familiar, Ira is a paid support service where they actually have trained employees there that will take your call through the IRA app. That's IRA, A-I-R-A. And when you connect with them through the app, they can do all kinds of awesome things to help you by utilizing the camera on your phone, or if you have the Envision AI glasses, they partner with them as well so they can see through the camera on the glasses. And they can literally help you do anything, navigate, they can help you with something on your PC, help you with PowerPoint projects, you know, whatever it is you need help with, they are paid and trained to be able to step in and do that. And now Ira has announced this year that their prices are going way up First, they announced the retail prices only online, which are basically the prices without any kind of discount for us being blind or visually impaired people. And that kind of set off a, a big whirlwind, a storm of people going, hey, wait a minute, what are these prices? Not fully maybe understanding that there were cheaper prices, but even the cheaper prices that we would actually pay, the quote unquote real price, has still gone up quite a bit. And in your case, Ryan, you know, I, I think you've used it a little bit just for, you know, certain things, but your wife has used it a lot for uh, when she was getting her, her bachelor's degree and when she's been teaching. So Ryan, how is this affecting you and your wife? And, and what do you think about these, these price changes over at IRA? Um, I think it's kind of, well, for lack of a better way to put it, kind of mind boggling because like you said, you're hit with these prices. I mean, they're thousands of dollars that they're initially showing you and you, you have that for lack of a better way to put it you have that sticker shock of like uh whoa and then you're looking at it going okay uh a family of two can we afford this and the answer is no and even for her um having it and using it you know for teaching and using it for all the things that she's used it for She's even, you know, reevaluating and going, I don't know if I can afford this, but if I can't, what do I do? Because I'm going to say, you know, first and foremost, they really are a great, you know, phenomenal service. There is a lot of her homework that she would not have made it through without them. Or if she could have made it through, it would have added even more time to it than it already took. There were, you know, Saturdays where she spent three, four, five hours on a call with an agent. And it would have been double that if she had to try to do this on her own. And so for that, we are definitely grateful. But for this huge price increase and the not really being upfront about it doesn't really sit well with not only us, but a, a, a lot of people. I used to use it for, you know, reading mail or doing, you know, things around the house. But unless you have a plan and even then you're not guaranteed to get a hold of anybody, uh, their free five minute calls don't exist. You, you cannot get through. So 
they're forcing you to basically get a plan. And I, I've been told by people that even if you have a plan, there is a shortage of agents and it's not guaranteed that you'll get a hold of somebody. Charles, I know you said that you've got it right now. You have IRA, but you're even considering getting rid of it yourself, right? That's exactly right. I have right now, they have a uh, 30 minute plan for $30 a month. And that's what I have because I don't need IRA for most of my daily life and my daily activities, but I keep it around just in case as a sort of safety net in case I get into a situation where an IRA agent may be useful if say I get lost while I'm walking around or if uh, I need some help on a task that I'm working on on my computer. My use case for IRA is usually while I'm writing documentation for work, I will call an agent to remote into my computer to help put the, fin the finishing touches on my documents. So that 30 minutes for $30 at the end of this year is supposed to be hiked to $55 or $65 uh, for an individual. Now, IRA originally only posted the retail prices for corporations or businesses who wanted to partner with them. Now, I'm no business accountant, but I have heard stories of people uncertain if their job will support this because they may be the only blind person working at the entire company. And with these new price increases, they're worried that their jobs won't see the value in spending as that much money on a single employee. So there are individuals who are upset about these price hikes. And then there are individuals who are worried that this will directly impact their job performance. So it's a very complicated situation. It's still developing and ongoing. Ira has said multiple times that they are actively listening to the community in their newsletter, in their social media groups. I've seen them on Facebook. I've seen them having discussions on Clubhouse and in other places. So it is a developing situation that I think we should keep an eye on. Ira has specified that these price increases will begin in December of 2023. Now we don't, I believe we do not have an exact date yet, but as we get closer and as their long-term roadmap becomes more public, we will probably see more exact information. And as you said, I am considering canceling my subscription because it doesn't seem worth it to me to double in price, essentially paying more than I pay for my cell phone plan for something that might only be used once every month or two. So it's developing in the public sector and it's also developing in my own personal life. And I'm just keeping an eye on it and seeing how the discussions go between IRA representatives and the community. Absolutely. I think, I think that's a good point that this is something that's going to be in flux. I know a lot of people are upset about the price increase, and I get it. But when it comes to advanced help, that's where Iowa has really shined. And so we will definitely keep an eye on this going forward and, and see what happens because I think it's a really important service for us to be able to have access to. And it's a shame that we aren't getting more in the way of investment or government or partnerships or whatever it is that IRA needs, I wish they got more of it so that they could keep the individual prices at a, at a lower cost for us. I think you're absolutely right, Tim. And I think that's why the plans have changed and the structure of the plans have changed. IRA realizes that the bulk of their financing is going to come from corporations and businesses. 
and not the individuals. So they're trying to tailor their service so that they can bring in more of that cash flow instead of the individual cash flow. As we know, roughly 70% of all blind people are unemployed. And that means that they are very, very low income. It's a very low income demographic. And it's hard to market to people who may only be getting six or seven or $800 a month. And they have to make that stretch in today's economy. IRA doesn't appeal to the individuals from a finance and budget perspective because it's it's a service. It is essentially a luxury service. Blind people don't need IRA, but IRA can be incredibly helpful and life-changing. So for those of us who can experience it, we know the value that IRA has, and we would like to see more people experience that. So I think IRA's overall plan is to try to keep their doors open, is to try to keep their agents employed so that they can continue focusing on the mission that they originally set out to do, which was to better the lives of blind people and to equalize the playing field so that blind people didn't feel like they were being left behind in a primarily sighted world. Hopefully this works out for them, but right now it's creating a lot of backlash in the community. So as we've said, it's an ongoing situation. It is developing literally as we speak. So who knows what will happen in a week or a month or six months. Absolutely, Charles. And, you know, speaking of um, other things that have been causing quite a controversy within the community, Microsoft Soundscape, the very, very popular navigation app that Microsoft put out partnered with the Seeing AI app where we can scan documents and barcodes and, and all kinds of different things you can do with Seeing AI. They had Soundscape, which was a way to navigate utilizing GPS and AR in a way and all kinds of different things. You could set waypoints, get directions to places, find out you know where certain points of interest were, and Soundscape's gonna go away. Microsoft has made the decision that they are no longer going to support it after June of this year, 2023. And so between now and then, th that's it. You, you don't have the ability to utilize it anymore. You can still use it right now, but as of, I believe, the end of June, you will not be able to use it anymore. And that's kind of a shame because we only have a couple of these types of apps available. Ryan, I know you live in a community where you're fairly close to pretty much everywhere you like to go. You can take an Uber and get places, or I think in your case, you could even walk to a couple places. And so something like that, where you can get an app to give you, you know, even just points of interest or just to kind of point you in the right direction, something like that can be really, really helpful. It is. I mean, like you said, you know, primarily I can, I walk to where I need to go. Um, and it's easy to get turned around. I mean, you get distracted, you get a text message or uh, a loud vehicle goes by even and can kind of turn you around and you miss something. So it is nice to have, uh, you know, the different GPS systems as, as a, a, a backup. Um, none of this stuff I, I don't believe you should solely rely on, but it is nice to, to have that security blanket. Um, and as you said, it is a shame that we're losing some of these different tools because we don't have that many, um, you know, uh, Apple maps and stuff like that is good and has its, you know, nice qualities and same with Google maps and some different ones. Um, you know, I personally, I haven't found one that is the end all beat all you know app for me as far as gps's go it's like well i like this one for this and this one for that and different things um but 
when you lose one, it narrows that. Uh, I don't know what the word is I want, but it, it, narr- it narrows your options and kind of shrinks your your field and your your choices down. So it's to me, it's disappointing to see some of these apps uh, not being maintained and, and going away for whatever reasons. And that is kind of the big thing here is like it's different from Ira, where Ira is trying to struggle to get the funding to keep everything going and keep it as cheap as they possibly can. We have Microsoft who a cynic would say, well, they've got all the money in the world. You know, they, they should have no trouble keeping up a service like this, an app like this for us. But, uh, you know, like I said, they are thankfully keeping seeing AI around, but getting rid of an app like this, where we, we definitely can get some great use from it. It's from a mainstream company, you know, it's not a mainstream type service or app, but it is from a mainstream company, which was a huge win for us to begin with. And now with it going away, we do have to kind of look at other things. And Charles, you and I had talked about this the other day that services like Good Maps are out there. And I've been playing with Good Maps for a, a bit now for about the last week or so, trying to see how it is. And it's actually pretty good. You can, you know, you move your phone around and it'll give you, uh, you know, directional information. So if you're facing west or what have you, uh, what the nearest point of interest might be when, when you move your phone around, you can get, you know, information about what's around you and even directions and drop waypoints and things like that. Very similar to an old app that's been around for a long time that believe it or not is still out there and a lot and kicking and, and I think it's actually still really good is blind square because it can do all the same kind of thing you can search for shops or restaurants get specific information as to you know how to get there and, and waypoints and all that kind of stuff and so we might be losing this Charles but we, we do have some other options well Tim I actually want to circle back to soundscape because I think sure. the AR component of soundscape is what made it so unique. And I just want to take a second to describe that for those who may not understand exactly what that means. So AR stands for augmented reality. And essentially what that means is you have another layer of sounds or visual effects or both that is being overlaid onto your current environment, your rather your current perception of the environment. So in Soundscape's case, if you have, say, AirPods Pro connected to an iPhone and you open Soundscape, the AirPods Pro have the ability to do what is called head tracking, where they know when you turn your head, when you are looking in a different direction than your phone. It's based off of where your phone is versus how the AirPods are oriented. Soundscape can take that data and beam sounds into your AirPods on top of everything that you're hearing and you get little little beeps and little audio prompts that actually change. They'll be more on your left or more on your right or it will sound like it's coming from behind you to mimic the position of wherever you have put that beacon or to mimic the position of a specific address that you may be passing. I used Soundscape about six months ago to learn a tiny town in Illinois, completely on my own, completely independently, and alongside the information that you get from a traditional GPS app like location, uh, type of business, the business name, how far away you might be, the augmented reality layer of soundscape would also literally show me with audible cues how far away and in what direction that specific beacon or business or street was. And I have never 
encountered a GPS app that does what Soundscape does. Not ever, even Good Maps. Good Maps is great and very precise when it comes to understanding what direction your phone is facing, but it doesn't have that extra layer, that extra sense of direction and scale that Soundscape provides. And it is just a shame that we're going to lose that in June because it was unique. It's one of a kind. And I really think it helps people who have more hands-on learning styles understand the environment around them. I literally used it in place of maybe a, a traditional orientation and mobility specialist in combination with my own skills walking around this town that I had never set foot in in my life. And in about two or three days, I could walk around without using my phone at all. I'm so glad that you said in combination with your own skills. That's what Ryan was talking about before. It's like, we, we don't want to ever make these out to be a replacement for our own skills and our own training, but you're right as a, as a companion to helping you navigate, use, utilizing your own skills, your ears, your, your surroundings yourself in, a, you know, in, and having this in addition to it, the AR was really, really helpful. And the good news is the good news I can report about this is even though soundscape is going away, Microsoft has opened up the uh, the the programming for um, for seeing or not for seeing AI for uh, for Soundscape. So other developers will be able to utilize what they were doing with Soundscape. And so maybe I, I don't know if they will, but maybe other apps like Good Maps or or uh, Blind Square or maybe even Envision AI if they decide to go into more of a, a navigational area or Navi Guide, you know, any of these other types of apps maybe we'll be able to get that because they have opened up, uh, you know, opened up the coding for it. And so with Apple and Android and everybody getting into AR and VR, maybe that'll be something we can see going forward and, and we'll be able to get it back in that kind of form. So fingers crossed that, that that happens with other developers. I would actually like to put it out there for anybody who may be listening. This might be a good investment for Ira. If you're struggling to figure out what Ira's financial services and, and plans are going to look like going forward, and you're seeing all of this pushback from the community, taking up this project to augment what agents are already trained to do or creating a companion app that seamlessly integrates with the IRA dashboard with an AR component like what we see in Soundscape could be an alternative revenue stream. Ooh, I like that. So yeah. Um, yeah, Ira, take notice. You could definitely, yeah. definitely do that, please. Um, so yeah, so that is the good news is that other companies can definitely use this tech to to maybe help us out. So fingers crossed, we'll we'll see what happens. And definitely, if anything changes, we will uh, we will let everybody know. Now, leading into a, kind of a bigger conversation that I want to have around kind of the the traits and the things that we go through when you know we're losing vision or people just in general that, that have been blind for a long time we we put this up on the life after blindness facebook group the other day or actually just a few days ago before this uh, episode goes out at the and time of, at the time of recording it was yesterday yes thanks so much for yes the behind the curtains pull back the curtain yes it was literally yesterday as we record this um but yeah so if you go to the life after blindness facebook group and uh join up there please because we've got a lot of really great conversations going on there um i posed the question about you know what kind of traits do you feel are really really important to you know when you're a blind person and this can apply to anybody with a disability anybody with depression anybody just going through stuff but specifically to us what kind of things you know are, are the traits that 
you know, really help us in, in getting from, you know, point A to point B to point C or whatever. And b before we get into that, uh, you know, deeply, you know, more of a deep dive, Ryan, I know you've got a rant about some problems we're having. And this, I think, kind of relates to the idea of patience and perseverance and and just kind of like taking a deep breath. And so that's why I want to kind of bring it up first, because sometimes as, as good as we might think things are, then they break or they take a step backward and it can be really frustrating. So um, I'm, I'm setting up the soapbox. I'm, I'm turning on, on the ramp machine and letting you uh, take it away, Ryan, because I, I kind of agree that we, we've, we've got a couple little annoyances going on when our, in our iPhones, don't we? Yeah. Well, all right. You asked for it. So <laughs> I asked for it. Bring it on. <laughs> my, uh, my main rant, uh, as someone that, um, was born blind and I don't really have the best of typing skills because everything was based around Braille when I was a kid, I rely on the dictate feature on my iPhone, which is a fantastic feature by the way and now that it's broken you realize just how much you use it it's not just for texting it's for you know emailing it's for searching for stuff it's for all kinds of different things and how they've broken it is it wants to double everything that you say it wants to double everything that you say see what i did there and it was just as annoying as when you text me yes and sometimes and the, and the really big annoyance with it is it doesn't do it every single time no <laughs> so you don't so you kind of for a second get out of the habit of checking and then you look and you go oh crap it doubled it and it's really embarrassing if it's I'm texting or, or emailing somebody other than, you know, Tim, if I'm trying to do something professional or to someone that I don't know. And then they're looking at me and they're going, why are you doubling everything? It's like, I didn't do it. Yeah. After the so, update came out, I, I sent you that message. So I'm like, why are you doubling everything you're saying to me? What's going on? Cause yeah, I hadn't encountered like, it yet. It I'm is? like, what, what's your problem? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm awake. I swear. <laughs> so it's just, and they haven't fixed it yet. And this is now, I think, the third update that it's doing it. Because um, yeah, I'm, like I'm, I'm running whatever the newest update is that I did just yesterday. Yeah, we're up to 16.3, and, it, and it's still not totally fixed. No. So it's one of those things of, I, I, I think sometimes, not just Apple, but a lot of these, but they, they push things out so quick. And they forget about some of the sm the smaller things. I understand we're not the biggest, you know, users of iPhones and things like that, but we we are in a sense some of the biggest users because it's marketed to this is the phone for blind people, and we we all know blind people that use Android and stuff like that, and I, I'm one of them. I did it in the past, but right out of the box apple does have the market cornered on this is the easiest uh you know device to use this is the quickest one to learn so if you're going to market yourself as that and you're going to be you know take that stance you need to fix some of these things that are 
clearly broken. Absolutely. I, I agree. Like if it was one cycle, two cycles, but you know, more than three cycles gets really, really frustrating when I've had it happen a couple times, I've just let it go. Kind of like you did Ryan. Um, but then sometimes <laughs> I've gone in and deleted the entire second part. So I'm just like, yeah, they don't need to hear me it too, twice. you know, and not every time. Um, but, <laughs> but, no, but it there, is, been, there have been times I'm like, yeah, I'm not repeating it. Yeah, just it's just it. him. Screw him. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll um, get over yeah, he'll figure it out. But no, like, and and I want to put this out to the listeners. If you guys have, have got any issues like this or any workarounds, or if you have any other kind of bugs or bugaboos or rants that you want to go on, let us know and we'll talk about it. Uh, send me an email, tim at lifeafterblindness.com. Check out the website and at lifeafterblindness.com and, and just let us let us know if, if you're experiencing these things, if you got any workarounds. We would love to hear them because they can be frustrating and, and we have to take a deep breath and and have patience and that's not always easy which hey, hey segue into this beer conversation i want to have because like i said it was a very uh interesting conversation on the facebook group people really had a lot to say and and different traits that they wanted to list because like i said before i i went out there and said hey you know, I've been thinking about this because actually, you know, Ryan and I, we were talking about this the other night on the phone of there's something missing between like somebody who's just lost their vision or is going blind and the person who maybe was already tech savvy or blind since birth and they kind of already know where to go. It's kind of like, you know, doing a podcast is kind of, um, you know, uh, I can't think of the word, but like, it's kind of presumptuous. I guess that would be the right word. It's like, well, I'm presuming that people already can access a podcast and, uh, you know, we kind of deliver the information that we can and talk about things. But what about those people that can't access that stuff because they don't know about it yet. They know how to use a computer. They know how to use their phone, but they don't know how to do that as a blind or low vision person going through that. And then that got me thinking about well, how is it that we dealt with this when we had that happen? Or even if you were, you know, like Ryan was blind since birth, Charles and I both lost our vision later on, but we still go through frustrating things. And so that kind of brought me to that question of what are the traits? What are the main kind of things that like, if you didn't have this fill in the blank, your life would be so much harder or it'd be so much harder to deal with certain things in your life, tripping, slamming in the walls, I, I, I know nothing about those things. <laughs> um, you know, having, having, you know, just all these issues that we deal with, you know, the people at the restaurant look at the person you're eating dinner with and go, well, what will they be having? You know, how do we deal with these things, these frustrations, these barriers, um, as far as our personal traits and things that we have to bring to the table? So Charles, you, you had answered the question, uh, the other day on the, on the group. And I know we'll get to Ryan cause your wife, as I mentioned, did you didn't, but that's okay. I won't hold it against you. Um, you were, you were double texting somebody. So, you know, I'll I was, it. yes, yes. <laughs> um, it would have just come up twice anyway. So, you know, yeah. Had, so right. I was saving you the headache. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for that dealing with that frustration. Um, so Charles, you, you had a couple of, of things that my additions to this conversation were, Patience and a sense of humor, which anybody who's listened to me for years on this program or any other show I've ever been a part of, I'm always pushing patience and a sense of humor. And people that have done uh, support groups with me and, and you know people that I've mentored and talked to and things, they know those are my my go-tos is patience and a sense of humor. But you you had some other things to, to add to this, Charles. Yeah, Tim. So in the answer that I gave in the Facebook group, I had said patience, independence, environmental awareness, and self-awareness. And those were just four 
traits that came to me in that moment. I'm sure I can come up with other ones, but those four came to me because I feel the combination of those traits helps to create a balance in your life that you can take with you, whether you're walking around in a city or whether you're working from home or whatever you're doing. Patience, because the world is not built for disabled people. Let's face it. It is an ableist world built primarily for sighted people who can walk around, who have the use of their legs and hands, who can drive, who can read signs. So as a blind person navigating this world, things are going to take longer. There are going to be tasks that you have to adapt. There are going to be people who need to adapt to you. That can be hard. That can take a lot of advocacy. That can take a lot of speaking up for yourself. And you need to be patient, not just with others, but with yourself as well. Independence was the second one I mentioned. And a lot of blind people make this point that independence looks differently for different people. There are some people like myself who can walk around a small town and map it out in their head and just know where they're going. There are other people who can learn a computer system and computer code, but get turned around if they walk further than a block. So independence looks different to different people. But whatever it is for you, I think it's important to explore that because it helps you feel more connected to yourself and to the world around you. It also helps you get a sense of self worth and and maybe even self-importance if you want to look at that in a non-healthy or excuse me in a healthy way not in a non-healthy way wow um, i do enough non-healthy <laughs> things i don't need to add to it yeah we're not here to talk about therapy goals um the third one i said was environmental awareness now again that looks different for different people like i just said some people can't walk more than a block without getting turned around for one reason or another but that doesn't mean they're not aware of their environment that just means maybe they have a bad sense of direction that i've seen plenty of sighted drivers who have terrible uh -huh. senses of direction uh -huh. so <laughs> what i mean by environmental awareness is learning to use the senses that you do have and there's this myth that your senses grow stronger if you lose one of them, that's Ugh. not true. What actually is happening is that you are restructuring the pathways in your brain to take in information in a different way and to process that information in different ways. So again, whatever environmental awareness looks like to you, being aware of where things are, being aware of how people are moving around you, being aware of the cars in front of you or next to you or behind you, for example, all of that is important because again, you're fighting an uphill battle in this world. So you need to use the tools that you do have and not so much focus on the ones that you do not have. It is an ongoing exploration of your own abilities and it can take a lot of time. And again, that goes back to patience. The fourth thing that I said was self-awareness. And I would argue that this is the most important trait that I brought up because Going blind, especially if you're losing your sight later in life, is a tremendous mental and physical and emotional blow. And having self-awareness, not just of your physical state, but of your mental and emotional health as well, can help you navigate that as you say, go through the stages of grief because you've lost something that's so integral to what you believe is 
your personality, who you are, or as you navigate what it's like to retrain yourself to navigate the world around you, or even as somebody may point out to you in the early stages of losing your sight that, hey, you're struggling to see these signs, or hey, you can't read the phone numbers on the TV commercials anymore, or whatever it is. Self-awareness is so important and is probably key to navigating not just losing your sight or whatever disability you may be focused on at the moment, but it's a trait that I think everybody is constantly working to develop and better in themselves. Because once you're aware of yourself, that leads to gaining more empathy, that leads to understanding the systems and the individuals around you in ways that you can relate back to yourself and feel like you're part of the world again as you navigate these new systems and new ways of living. So those were my four traits, but there are many, many, many others. Absolutely. Yeah. Several people had so many really good uh, comments that they left there in different traits. And they're very similar in some ways to everything that you were saying. And I, I want to apply this. So Ryan, you and I have talked about this quite a bit, you know, about the support groups that you run where, you know, people are coming to you losing vision and it's just like, what do I do? Where do I start? What, how do I handle this? How do I cope? And it can be very frustrating. And that whole, you know, what, how do we bridge that divide? You know, that's, a, I think, a bigger conversation for another time. Although, you know, you and I, as, as all three of us do in our personal phone calls, you know, we, we've solved the world's problems already. It's just, you know, getting somebody to pay for it. Um, of course. But, uh, but, but let's apply this a little bit because, you know, in your own life, not just with the support groups that you're part of and, and other, you know, friends and people that you know and family that you have and, and experiences you've had with the support groups, but even let's look at it, you know, in your life, you know, as a drummer, I know you've had to go on tours and you've told me stories about, you know, having to deal with with people that can see that just expect that you could do something or you do something and they're like, whoa, wait, you're but you're blind. How do you do that? And and so you get those different kinds of things. And I'm sure a lot of patience, persistence, a big time sense of humor, self-awareness, all these things that we're talking about that, you know, that I was talking about before and that Charles listed off between, you know, the people that you meet you know, each and every week with your support groups and then just in your daily life and the touring that you've done and, and being out there in the world, th th these are very important, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, just from my own personal experience, um, you know, people would always assume, you know, the, the musician lifestyle of, oh, you're going to get, you know, drunk before the show or have some drinks or do this or do that. I couldn't afford to do that. And I don't even mean money-wise which sometimes yeah i couldn't but you couldn't afford to be to have an off night because people are literally staring at you waiting for you to suck waiting for you to not be able to do it and i didn't help matters because i had a really big drum kit at the time lots of cymbals lots of drums and you know it was big enough you couldn't really see me behind it but there but when you do that you're kind of opening yourself up for people to scrutinize you even more because they're like, there's no way you can do this. You so being you not to, being able to look at it. Yeah. And you had to be constantly on your game. So diving into any of those tropes or any of those kind of, you know, mis the mystique of being a drummer or performing musician, 
as a, especially as a blind musician, I, I'm sure that your awareness, your your own you know personal self awareness. I mean, you you couldn't afford to to have an off night. I guess in a way, no. is what you're saying. Yeah, because like I said, the, I had countless people, you know, not be shy about it and say, "I want to see this because I want to see if you're going to suck or not." Oh my wow. gosh! They could care less about what the band itself was going to do or anything like that. They wanted to see what I was going to do. They the spectacle wanted to see of the blind drummer. Yes. Was and... that a draw? Was that a draw for some of the fans that you had? It was, and I and and at first. To be perfectly honest, I was I was frustrated by it. I was annoyed. I was like, this is stupid. I'm just a member of the band. This shouldn't matter. But then I started to realize, you know, okay, it does matter because it helps get people in to see the entire show. They may come in because they want to see the spectacle of the blind drummer, but that lasts a couple minutes, and then they start to pay attention to everything else that's going on and realizing, hey, this band isn't bad. They're actually good. They can actually play. They can do, you know, different things. So, and, you know, I would have solos and things and stuff every now and again. And, and most of the bands encouraged it. They're like, you're good enough. Do it. You know, there were some that were like, no, we don't want more attention you know, on you and blah, blah. It really depended on the attitude. Um, I've also done things where I'll be at a bar at a, you know a show and it's a band i don't know and they'll find out i'm a drummer and they're like we gotta have the spectacle come up and play a song with us so it's like songs i've never played before uh or you know especially people that i've, I've never worked with before so you again you have to be on point you have to be ready to go and play a completely unfamiliar drum set it's however they want it set up so you have to do that in like 30 seconds of time you have to learn their drum set really fast so it took a while but thankfully i had a um a teacher that was my drum instructor for like 15 years that encouraged me from the very beginning he was like you need to be able to play whether it's a setup for a right-handed person left-handed person this way, that way. He's like, you need to be able to play any drum set that's set in front of you because people are going to look at you harder than they would look at me or someone else because it is different. But to his credit, he never shied away from, I was the only blind drummer that he ever worked with. And from day one, when I went to him, he's like, we can do this. He's like, you know, I learned all my uh, music for marching band. I, I marched and he would work with me and go, okay, we'll learn your music a line at a time and build it. You know, it was, here's your first two lines and three lines and four lines and just build it. And he had the patience and the willingness to get outside of his box and work with me on how to do all this stuff. I think it's a really good point. We were talking about, you know, having patience for ourselves and our own perseverance and, you know, all of these traits for us. It's it. And it's hard because like you were talking about Ryan with the drumming, I'm sure a lot of that would be hard on a sighted drummer, somebody who's not disabled in any kind of way, let alone being blind sitting down at a set. That's like, this isn't my drum set. This isn't my band. This is weird, but you have to be like, all right, you know, calm down, take a breath. 
I can do this. I can figure this out. I've had the training. I, you know, I, I've taken the time as Charles was talking about, you know, self-awareness in your own, you know, personal, um, you know, the, your own personal persistence and, and things, making sure that you are ready and, and that can only get better over time. And there's not going to, it's not going to be perfect every time, but that's on you. But then other people, we, we, we don't think about that. I think enough where, you know, we don't know what other people are going through. We don't know what other people know or don't know about blindness. And so that's where our patience has to come in sometimes is being patient with somebody who maybe just doesn't know. Well, mm -hmm. you're, you're absolutely right, Tim. I'm not a drummer, but I am a vocalist and a violinist. And I have picked up other people's violins or violas or basses or whatever. And you can't really change the layout of a stringed instrument the way you can with a drum kit. That's it's pretty universal, but it's still different. And whether you're blind or not, as a musician who has an instrument that you're, uh, I might even say bonded to, like that's your baby, you know, it's different to play somebody else's instrument. It's, it sounds different. It feels different. The vibrations work slightly differently. So I can only imagine what it's like to sit down at a completely different drum kit, knowing the science behind how all the drums work and knowing what you need to do and how you need to strike different surfaces and what you use for your striking surface, you know, all that stuff. And then you have to learn on the fly a completely different setup. Like that must be wild. It is. And you just learn very quickly that even though you may know that particular song forwards and backwards, because a lot of it's, you know, covers and stuff like that, and you may yeah. know it, but you have to scale it back. You have to sit there and go, okay, this may have a lot of these type of fills or, or these fancier things, but I have to stick more to just the solid foundation. It's more important to lay a solid beat than it is to do these little flourishes and stuff like that. And you know, I would have different friends and stuff that, you know, knew me for years and, and would watch and stuff. And they would kind of laugh and they went, hey, you went for that splash and you missed. <laughs> and yeah, we, did, we, <laughs> we, we have the same thing in, in strings where like you can do accent notes or you can do, you know, tremolos or, or different types of rhythms. And if you're playing a song that you kind of know or you don't know at all, you just you drop all that and you just go for your basic notes and your basic rhythms and and is sometimes when you try to do a flourish it just doesn't pan out you know yeah it just you, and, and you learn you know especially the more and more you do it you you learn what works you learn what doesn't you learn how to just hold it together and most people aren't gonna know they're not gonna be like oh dude you missed that fill or why wasn't that that way right a lot of people aren't gonna know that they're gonna go you held it together i could dance to it i i could you know, do the drunk bob and 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 bounce to it and whatever, and we're good. Alcohol makes so, everybody sound good. Yes, alcohol works wonders. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's just, but it's a very interesting deal to get up behind musicians and basically, for lack of a better way to put it, to drive a bus that you're not familiar with, and be like, <laughs> okay, here, here we go. And they're they're watching you, and there's times you can see, no pun intended, but the look even on the other musicians' faces where they're like, "Whoa, you're better than our actual drummer." And I've had musicians tell me that they're going, uh, "Don't tell you know Johnny, but um, you played that better than he does, and he's practiced with us, you know, you know, five days a week, and and he no. always messes this up." 
Well, not to take anything away from you, Ryan, because I know you're a fantastic drummer, but do they say that out of an expectation going in of, well, this is a blind guy, how's he going to do? And then it's that shock of, wow, he's actually really good. You know what I mean? Like, do you think any of that plays a part into it? I'm not saying it does, because again, you're a really, really great drummer, but I think it does. They go in with because, that expectation lowered. Yeah, I think they do have the lower. Well, it's like, oh, well, he can't really see what he's doing. So how good could it actually be? Or you get a lot of the people that, you know, will let you do it because they feel sorry. They're like, oh, you're a drummer. Okay. Yeah, you can play. And how many, then how many like, times have you had somebody be like, oh, so you're a blind drummer. You're kind of like that, that one-armed guy from Def Leppard, right? Oh, yeah. Or you're, you're Stevie Wonder or, right. or, you know, one of them. So, yeah, you get all kinds of different things. And then you'll get people that will tell you all those things. And they're like, oh, you, were, you, know, you played really, really well. We enjoyed it. But then you get the one, the, those same people that are, well... I couldn't be in a band with you though, because you are blind and that would put so much more on me. Mm. Well, let's, well, let's talk about that then and, and apply that because that happens too. And we have to deal with that. So mm -hmm. um, I want to get your feeling on this first and then we'll go back to you, Charles, because I know you've got experiences with this too, but you're talking about dealing with different bands, different, you know, you know, different frontmen, I'm sure, that have their own, you know, uh, egos and, and things and, uh, you know, musician egos in general. You know, I, I can say that because as a musician myself. So, you know, I, I get it. And that happens. So when you're walking into a place and you're setting up and you're, you know, walking around the bar and you're dealing with a band, either you know them or you don't, or even going back to what we were talking about before, where you, you're dealing with these people. I shouldn't say dealing because I don't like that word. That's a negative kind of word, I think. But you're, you're working with these, these people in your support groups and they're asking these questions. And with your experiences, you can, you can guide them and help them the best you can. But how do, how do you cope with that? How have you coped with that when you've got those people looking at you and expecting one thing or seeing another thing, or then when people are coming into you in the, in the support groups and you're like, Oh gosh. I, um, and you've really got to kind of think, you know, how do you handle those things? There are times where you kind of have to stop and go, hmm, okay, how do I do this? Or what can I do to make this easier? Um, you know, from looking at it from the music standpoint, there are people that are like, well, okay, if you don't have transportation to get to rehearsal, that means I'm going to have to get you. And that's where you go, well, yeah, okay, you might have to get me, but I'll chip in for gas. I'll do this or that. And, and you do things to kind of lighten the load as best you can. Um, you know, there are different ways around that. You can as far as setup goes, there's different ways you can, you know, mark your carpet and have, you know, outlines of where each stand could go. So it's easy. You number them. You put, okay, number one goes with number one. Number two goes with number two. As long as you can read it, you can have it set up quick. And as far as helping people out that are in the support groups, again, that's where I'm grateful that we have the social media that we have now we have, uh, you know, it's allowed me to make friends with other blind people, such as, you know, you guys that are all the way across the country from me, but we're friends. We talk on a regular basis. And if it weren't for social media and different things like that, we wouldn't have met, but I can pick your brains 
And especially like Tim, I have with you lately because yes. of different things that are going on. I'm going, all right, help me out. Um, that's where my wife comes in to play on a lot of things because we have both perspectives covered because I was born blind. She was not. So there's times I'll ask her, I'm like, okay, what does this look like? Cause I don't understand. And there's things that she'll ask me and she'll go, how did you know? Uh, I remember when we very first met, I was here and I was here a few days when we were walking somewhere and we'd walked under an overhang, but it was like one of those buildings where it's, you know, really high up. Right. And she asked me, she said, how do you know that? I was like, because I was like the temperature changed. I was like, there's, you know, a slight echo. There's different things that she hadn't thought about her, her brain wasn't at that time quite conditioned like mine was to listen for all these different things and pay attention completely to your surroundings and know what's going on because she wasn't uh hadn't been blind that long so we kind of cover both perspectives so there's time you know plenty of times she'll ask me she's like all right explain this to me what how do you uh quote unquote see this um you know like um dropping coins i can tell you what a coin is if you drop it she can't because that's something i was you know we were taught in school when i was little to do and to know so there's just all kinds of different ways and perspectives and things you can share and that's the to me that's a huge key with people that are losing their sight because i tell them all the time i'm like i can't fix you unfortunately I can't tell you everything you need to know in an hour, but I can answer questions as best I can. I can give you guidelines. And unfortunately, a lot of it, you're going to have to just try it. And there might be things that you do that totally suck. You may spill a drink. You may, uh, you know, um, accidentally walk out with the wrong color shirt on. I've done, I've done that before. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember going, I think I went to school and had my sister's pink cheerleading shirt on. What the what? Wow. Yeah. And sure people were like, <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, I had, I had worn it out and people were like, do you realize you have that on? I was like, I don't care. You know, I, I had, you know, didn't know. And that's what's really hard too when you have a family and you have all your clothes you know together when you're doing laundry is going okay is this mine or isn't it so figuring out all these little different things it takes time and unfortunately that comes back to patience because i can only imagine where you're used to being able to look at things and just instantly know oh, oh that's pink that's blue that's purple and just know it and or to know where something is located or, or whatever and do it quickly. You just you have to be patient and realize you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have the wrong color sometimes or you're going to grab what you think is a can of tomato soup. And unless you use one of the wonderful apps like we discussed, you might open a can of pineapple instead. Been there. Oh, I have so many stories. The, the, the one that comes to mind is I got one of those, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 
you know how when you order tea at a restaurant, it sometimes comes on like a little saucer or tray or something and everything's right there, mm-hmm. but you have to get the sugar from the table. Mm-hmm. Well, I grabbed a packet of what I swear was sugar. It was oh, no. pepper. Oh, no. oh yeah. <laughs> I've done that. You wanted I, pepper gotten... tea, didn't you? Oh, it was oh, delicious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh it's, it's fantastic. It's a flavor mm-hmm. of spread. Mm-hmm. They're not selling everywhere. I know, right? But I think, you know, while I was listening to you talk, Ryan, I think the other thing that we haven't discussed yet that is incredibly important on any disability journey is curiosity, that ability to say, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to go figure it out is Mm -hmm. incredibly important. And that drive to, instead of sinking into this depressive state of, I don't know how this is going to work, so therefore it can't work, but instead saying, I don't know how this is going to work, but I want this to work and I'm going to find a way that works for me, or I'm going to reach out and use these social media resources that we have in this day and age and crowdsource an answer. I see a lot of people doing that. And it's great because it allows us to tap into a greater community that's bigger than ourselves. Maybe we'll find somebody who already has a solution to this so we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And it turns out that if we didn't have that sense of curiosity to explore this topic in the first place, we would have never known. Well, I'd like to, to pause really, really quick. Cause you said, you said something just a second ago that I think is the number one key to all of this. And to me, it's trying it. It's trying different things. It's, but it's also realizing that what works for you might not work for me because I'm sure we've all been there when you work with some of these different organizations such as DSB and some of these different ones, they get locked into that formula of this is how you must go about life. Well, that doesn't always work for me or for you. The way you cook something might not be the way that I do it. So long as it tastes good and I'm not getting food poisoning, that's all that matters. But I I cannot tell you the number of blind people I have tried to talk through flipping a fried egg. And I swear I have only ever successfully talked some one person through this process. Every other blind person I know is like, I can't flip food. And I'm like, yes, you can. You just got to go figure it out. You can. You just have to try it. And it's like, you know, measuring things and learning how to know what's what in your freezer and, and different systems. To me, so long as you're safe and so long as you can do it, develop your own system. And that's what I tell people all the time with these different groups. I'm like, I can give you suggestions and say, this is what I do. But take that and branch off of it. You don't have to copy exactly what I'm doing. And what you're talking about with these people who are in these government positions that are designed to be supportive of blind and visually impaired people a lot of those scripts and a lot of that advice is given to them by sighted people who have never Mm -hmm. experienced blindness or that was written up by some mid-level politician and they're just like oh that sounds good or maybe more accurately an assistant and they just go with it that's the training documentation they receive so that they follow their training and they force people into these systems that it's not a one size fits all solution. You're right. A lot of these have to be 
independently created, whether it's by the person themselves or by a counselor or by an independent living specialist or whatever it is to meet the needs of the individual where they are. And I think that's the most important part of this. You have to meet them where they are. You can't mm -hmm. just shove a system at them and be like, all right, you're good now. Bye. Well, I had an instructor get upset with me a few years back because um, they were working with some different uh, people that still had vision, but were losing it. And they were doing the whole, I'm going to blindfold you and you're going to travel with a cane, right? Oh, I hate that. And these people were, understandably, they were scared. They were frustrated because they're going, you know, it, 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 my vision's completely gone now. What do I do? And the instructor was sitting there basically going, well, this isn't so bad. You can do this. And I took the instructor aside and I said, you know, I said, it's easy for you to say because at five o'clock when you're done working, you're going to walk over there and you're going to get in your car and you're going to drive home. The rest of us have to catch buses and do different things. I was like, you're going to go home and you're going to hang out with your family. You're going to watch TV and cook your meals and use your eyes to do everything. I was like, we're having to do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You only have to do this Monday through Thursday from, you know, eight to five. I was like, this is your job. This is not your life. I was like, so you need to scale it back a little bit. Realize that you're working with people that are afraid, that have no idea they could wake up tomorrow and their vision could be completely gone because sometimes you just don't know. It could take years. It could take months. It could be a matter of days. Yeah. And to be clear, I think blindfolding somebody is a viable training strategy and it has its place. I think it does. I think that that is a useful tool for teachers and instructors or whatever your position is to use, but you shouldn't force somebody into that because they may be terrified of losing their vision. And then you immediately go, well, you're losing your vision. Let's just cut it off right now and see what happens. Like you need to guide somebody through that process and prepare them for the fact that this is a necessary step in their development and talk them through it. Every O&M instructor, every state counselor, every living center instructor or whatever your position is is also part therapist and mm -hmm. i think you need to always keep that in mind yeah and i think unfortunately a lot of them forget about the therapy part mm -hmm. they get focused on the well here's your training i've taught you a b and c off you go now and there's a lot a lot a lot of therapy that comes with this. And I, by no means, am a therapist. And I've figured that out with doing these different support groups. I mean, you get people that sometimes you'll hit on something and they just unload. Yeah. And there have been times I'm sitting back going, whoa. Uh, yeah. What do what, I do? What, what, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> I'm what do in I charge do? and I have no idea where to go. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, so who wants French fries? I mean, you know, it's like, yeah. what do you do? But 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 I've had meetings too, where I've gone into it with every intention of okay, guys, we're going to talk about this today. But somebody just has a topic or or has something that's eating at them, and they just need to unload. And sometimes you have to step back and go, "Here, the floor's yours," mm -hmm. and let them have it because there there are times where 
you're their only vending post. Yeah. Speaking so of which, uh, this has been the Life After Blindness podcast with your hosts, Ryan and Charles. Uh, we've taken it over from Tim. He's no longer <laughs> yeah. <there. laughs> yeah, Tim Tim has gone off to find food. Um... Yeah, Tim Tim is uh, yeah, Tim is hunting, gathering. He's yeah, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. No, I um... he, he's uh, hunting in the forest. Yeah. Uh, that, that... How do you do that as a blind person, Tim? <laughs> That's a night manager yeah. joke, actually. That well done yeah. for anybody out there playing night manager on their Amazon Echoes. That me. that was kind of a night manager. Thing. If you're not, like, you, oh, should you should be. You should be. You should be so you can right. trade items with me, so I can I can build up my character. But no, anyway. <laughs> yeah, me, um, me too. I mean, I night night things. manager aside, no, I I've actually been sitting here just listening, enthralled with the conversation, and you guys have proven me right as to why I wanted you both on this show today and going forward because that was fantastic. Because in specifics, in in story, you guys covered it not just you know my bugaboos of patience and a sense of humor but you know willingness to learn and willingness to to you know to to try new things be curious um you know the perseverance and and organization every single one of these things are so so important i mean they're important to anybody and everybody in any walk of life obviously anybody with a disability or anybody going through stuff you know these are very important things but when it comes to our world our our community of of being blind or having low vision these are things that you know you've got to take a breath and just every time i hear that phrase i have to do it i I hear somebody on tv say take a breath and okay i did um but but we do you have to take a step back and just be like all right how do i do this and if i don't know how where can I go to get the information? Can I Google it? Can I call somebody? Is there a, a, a website? Is there an app? Is there a service? Is there a organization? What can I do? And that's why we're here. That's the, that right there is why I started Life After Blindness so many years ago and why when I step away from it, whether it's due to illness and COVID or something going on with my daughter or family or whatever, I hate it. It happens and thankfully the audience gets it that sometimes just life happens, things happen. And I step away for a month or two or during the pandemic, like a year. Um, But I come back to it because of these conversations, because these are so important to have because there might be people out there going, yeah, I know all this. I've heard this. I've had support groups or I've had therapists or I've had, you know, O&M specialists and I've heard all this stuff, but there are, are also those people that are like, you know what? I knew that, but boy, it's good to hear it again and be reminded or somebody going, yeah, I knew that I should be patient and I knew that I should maybe try to be organized, but man, all those other things, wow, that really makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I want to reach as many of these people as we can to help them. We're, as you said, Ryan, so perfectly, we don't have all the answers. We're not going to be able to figure it out every time, but you know what? We, we can find the resources and we can work together to figure it out. And so that's why I wanted to have this conversation today. When, when that came to me the other day out of that conversation with you, Ryan, and then even Charles and I talked a little bit you know, about it as well and a kind of a side you know, angle of the conversation, and I put it on the Facebook group because I'm like, I want to see what people think and what what are people feeling and thinking and what are the traits that they feel are the most important to get them through? Because at its core, 
that's so important to this journey. We can have seeing AI or blind square or, you know, handheld magnifiers and braille readers and iPhones and Androids and screen readers. And we can have all these tools in our tool belt, but it's, are we curious to figure out new things? Do we have a willingness to learn? Do we have patience? Can we laugh at ourselves when we do something that, you know, maybe isn't that great or that, you know, perfect or, or, you know, when I, I tell my family every day, they got to quit moving the walls of the house. I mean, every time I walk to the kitchen, somebody's moved the freaking wall that, that leads into the kitchen and I find it with my forehead and it's not funny. Um, environmental awareness Tim. exactly well exactly <laughs> but it's i know it's there i know it's coming up but i i do for the most part walk right around it perfectly but there are those days where you're having an off day and you ram into it now if i ram into it and really get hurt badly which i wouldn't because i usually have my hand up and i know it's coming and i'm feeling for it and i do have that awareness but sometimes you might you know, jam a finger because you reach out and not realize you're that close or, you know, you do get a little too close and bounce off of it with your you know side of your face or your belly or something. But how do you handle that? You know, is it going to be something you can laugh off every time? No, because it could hurt, you know, and, and, and maybe even hurt your pride. But you've got to get yourself in a place where you know things like that could happen, are going to happen. And how do you handle it? And how do you figure it out when you're like, oh my gosh, my stupid phone won't keep or won't quit dictating twice every time I send a message. Okay. Do you throw your phone through the wall and break it and, and yes. whine and complain? I mean, you yes. could. Twice. Yes. Or do you double text your friend and say, sorry, this is happening. Sorry, this is happening. You know, <laughs> see what I did there. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, try to figure it out, send, you know, an email accessibility at apple.com, you know, let them know, go on a, a Facebook group and say, Hey, anybody else having this problem? What's going on? Anybody got to work around, you know, trying to fill, as we always talk about, talk about for years, you know, about filling up your blindness tool belt. Do I have the tools? And if I don't have the tools, where can I get them? And how do I handle it? If I don't have them, how do I handle it when I do get them? And so that conversation I think is so important and at the core of everything that we want to do here, everything I've done in the past with Life After Blindness, everything I wanna do going forward, all the big, huge surprises and special things that I'm working on behind the scenes of things that I wanna do that, that all three of us together wanna to do. And uh, so no, as I was sitting there listening to you guys, I'm just like, yeah, this is it. This is this is it right here. This is the type of help that that I, I want us to be providing, and the types of things I want to talk about. So no, it's absolutely perfect. Oh, I know I'm perfect. Thanks, Tim. Right. Oh. Now that, now, now, now that you've said that, Charles yeah. and I look forward to having all of you back next week. And Tim, if you're here, well, okay. well, that's great. Here. But you know, that's yeah. You I'm, know. I'm getting nudged out here. I, I, yeah, I, I yeah, see. Yeah. I get in touch with you guys, talk about all of these big plans, these things we want to do. You, and you guys have yourself. great, you guys have great yeah. ideas, and you're just gonna just like, hey, let's take all that stuff and just throw him out. We'll, we'll yeah, do shouldn't, it. Shouldn't have brought on a couple of egos here. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we we got this. Man, you just run, you just run the computer yeah, and go, stuff behind run. the scenes. Okay? Oh, I see. Just hit record and, and edit the show, and you guys will do the rest, huh? Yeah, yeah. We 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 got we got this. this. Oh, all right, <laughs> fine. 
I see how it is. <laughs> but no, it, it's awesome. And I really appreciate you guys coming on and doing this. Uh, I think this is a very enlightening, successful first episode of the three of us together. And I look forward to many, many more. And uh, yeah, so if anybody out there wants more information or anything we've talked about, I will definitely try to make sure that they're in some sort of an assemblance of show notes. Um, I say that because there was many episodes where there's not show notes, um, but I, I will get better at that, I promise. Um, I am working on also through my media host, having uh, captions and transcripts for uh, if you watch the or I'm sorry not watch if you listen to the show on the website I'm hoping to put up a new player soon where it'll have a captions button and they'll actually have transcripts that'll be automatically generated through the media host so that if anybody that does have some vision but maybe has some hearing issues um, you can get the captions there and uh, and get that information in addition to show notes that I will definitely write I will I promise um, and so any links and, and to any things we talked about here and again if you want to get in, in contact with us and, and drop us a question or a suggestion or just have a story you want to talk about any kind of traits that you feel are important that maybe we didn't talk about today send send me email send those to tim at lifeafterblindness.com and uh you send us the email we'll definitely read it aloud here on the show so as we're wrapping up here i want to thank ryan palm and charles heiser for joining me here today and again i look forward to many many more great conversations guys thanks so much thanks for having me yeah, thanks for having me. Okay. Yeah, go do that. Okay, I will be right that was, back. That was Tim's sad face. No, I know. Face. I'm sorry, sweetheart. I'll be I'll be right back and we'll, right. we'll, cuddle. we'll cuddle. We'll make it better. Okay. Okay. Right. I'll back. be right back. Okay. Oh, you two are so cute.